We have been in a series of messages titled Climate Change for three weeks. And the way that we really are framing this, let me just kind of give you this opening paragraph. I think it'll help you. It describes a change. Climate change describes a change in average conditions. Earth's climate is always changing. Okay? It's always changing. But the pace has changed and sped up significantly in the last few decades. Now, as I've explained, this series of messages has not been about physical climate change, but rather about the spiritual climate that is changing within our world. And I will tell you, just as Earth's climate is changing, so is the spiritual climate. And I might also suggest that that spiritual climate change is happening more rapidly today than maybe ever before. And it is important for us to be aware of that. Maybe you're like me and you've said something like this. It's like in the middle of October. And you get up and you go, wow, there's just a a nip in the air. There's just something a little different. And so you, you begin to adjust to it. Or, or maybe, or maybe it's like after the long, cold, and hard Southern California winters that we have to endure, that you notice a little bit of the spring is starting to reappear. But in other words, the point is that, is that you just kind of sense something's changing. You just sense it. You kind of know it intuitively. You can feel it in the air. You know something is changing. And I might suggest the following in light of our series. I feel the changes in the spiritual climate. There is something very different in the air. And I, 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 don't, know how, I don't know how to say it other than how I've said it. There's something that I feel, and you may feel it as well. There's something different. As I look back over the years that God has given to me, I just... It just feels different. I might say it this way, there's there's a nip in the air. There's a nip in the air, something is changing. The series verse that has really helped us is 2 Peter chapter three, verse 11. And it asks this question, Peter asks very clearly, what kind of people ought you to be? In light of everything, and we're gonna unpack this passage today of of 2 Peter chapter three. In light of everything that's happening around us, what kind of people ought we to be? And so what we've done is we've given you some ought to be's, okay? Some things that we ought to be. And so far we've talked about being aware and informed and courageous and knowledgeable, careful, hopeful, active, and repentant. And in each of those ought to be's, they're very significant. Because if we really allow them to be who we are, if we're living the way that we ought to live, then we're not going to be as challenged or surprised as the climate continues to change. And I'm going to tell you, the climate will continue to change. It's not going to just stop. It's not going to go back to what it was. We're not going to have this nostalgic return to a a day that is long past. It's not going to happen. Things are going to continue to change. Here's a number for you. 348. 348. You go, what, is, what does that mean? It's so random. Well, it is somewhat random, I would admit, but I'm going to give you something profound. Okay, get ready. I want you to just kind of buckle your seatbelt, get ready, because this is going to just rock your 
world. You ready? According to Wikipedia, the most trusted source in all things, you're laughing. <laughs> you ready? Here it is. Are you ready? This is the number of apocalyptic end of the world movies from 1916 to the present day. 348 of them. And I've watched my fair share. I was absolutely certain that 2012, you know, it was just all going to end, right? They made a movie about it. Okay. Here, here's, the, here's the point. And you know what's interesting, too, in that number? The greatest number of those movies have been made from 2010 to 2019. From in that decade, more than any previous decade, and prior to 1950, only four movies had been made that were apocalyptic or end of the world. I think that's interesting. And here's what I might take away from it. Could it be, could it be a hint that even popular culture senses something is different? I wonder. I'm not saying they do, but I'm asking the question, could it be? Could it be? There's, there's something in the air, friends. There's something that's changing, and I would suggest that everyone, everyone everywhere feels it. They may not know how to describe it or define it, but there's a nip in the air. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, wrote at least two letters to the church during the first century. One of those letters, maybe multiple letters, not exactly sure, have gotten lost over time, which isn't, which isn't uncommon. There are a number of letters referenced in the New Testament that we've never seen, we don't have any history of. But the two letters that we do have, First and Second Peter, were written to a group of individuals, a group of believers around the world in kind of in every geographical location. Uh, so it's very appropriate to us. But this letter, these letters were written to suffering Christians, people who were being persecuted for their faith. And he writes these letters of encouragement and strength. And in the second letter, he really focuses very, very strongly on false prophets. He gives them some great encouragement in, in chapter one. In, verse cha in chapter two, he talks about false prophets. Well, in chapter three, he describes something that is unique in all of biblical literature. There, there's nothing quite like chapter three anywhere to be found in scripture. What Peter describes is just cataclysmic. So we're going to talk about that this morning and draw some, I think, some, some very helpful oddities from this for you and for me. So I want you to look with me, if you will, at 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. It's a long passage, the whole chapter. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or that digital version, or you can follow us uh, on version, or you can follow us on the screens. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in these last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, 
Since the, as long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved by, for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, but the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You want to, be, you want to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless of the lawless and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Speak life to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to give you some oddities this morning. The first one is this, to be mindful. To be mindful. When Marcy and I were still in youth ministry, we were serving in Woodland, California, near Sacramento. I had the honor, privilege, uh, responsibility of coaching some high school basketball, which was a blast. It was always one of my passions. I was glad that I had the opportunity to do it. And what made it even better, the high school, we lived right across the street from the high school. And as a youth pastor, it couldn't get any better than that. I lived right in the neighborhood of everybody I'm, I'm having the opportunity to have influence and work within their lives. It was great. Well, one night I was coming home. I got to walk home after, after practice, so I was, but I was running home that night because it was raining, and it was raining. It was a Northern California deluge, and I was running in the house. Well, as I came around onto the sidewalk, there was a little tiny bit of grass in the crack of the sidewalk, and I stepped on that grass, and down I went, just, I mean, down in a heartbeat, and I popped right back up and right back in the house. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There was one word I did say when I fell. Ouch! hurt. But I got up and no harm, no foul. I was on my way. No big deal. Well, three weeks ago, I was uh, wrestling the garbage cans and I lost. I will just tell you that the garbage cans got the better of me. Well, they really didn't. I was just pulling the garbage cans, but I wasn't mindful of the things around me. And I happened to step because of the rain on a piece or just an area in our backyard that was a little bit slippery. And before I knew it, I was down and took the full weight of the fall on my right shoulder. And I said more than one word. I said, you dummy. I said, not now. Ouch. What am I going to, what just happened? And now I'm going to have to face the consequences of shoulder surgery and all kinds of stuff because I just blew it apart, just blew it up. That's why if you see me up here kind of doing the pterodactyl stuff, that's the reason. 
this, this, one doesn't, this wing doesn't work as well as the other wing. So anyway, not a big deal. But here's, here's the thing I want, here's what I want you to understand. For 38 years, I was mindful of surroundings like that. Now, what, would, I, would I honestly say, well, I'm going to be, you know, I was just more mindful of things. Like because of my previous experience, I'm going to be a little bit more careful. Now, what happened is in a moment of not being mindful, I went down and now I'm dealing with the issues. The, my point that I want to leave with you is we need to be mindful of the things around us because what that does, it prepares us for the days that are ahead. And Peter is very clear. He is helping us. He's putting into context for us some incredible information that you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be mindful of these things. Peter said, he calls these individuals dear friends. That is a, he, he loves the people he's speaking to. And, and I would suggest the same is true for us. When you read this this morning, understand that, that Peter has in the, in the long range of everything that he is seeing in the spirit, he has us in mind. Dear friends, hear this. Be mindful of the truth. Understand. He wants us to be mindful or, another way of saying it, in a state of undistracted attention. A state of undistracted attention regarding words that are spoken in the past by the holy prophets and by the commands given by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, we need to be people who are very in tune with what God's word is saying, both Old and New Testament, about the times that in which we are living and the times that are fast approaching. We are in the midst of it all, friends, but things are not getting better. Listen to what Isaiah says. These are two passages about the end of days. Isaiah 13. For see, the day of the Lord is coming. The terrible day of his fury and fierce anger. The land will be made desolate and all the sinners destroyed with it. The heavens will be black above them. The stars will give no light. The sun will be dark when it rises. The moon will provide no light. I, the Lord, will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their sin. I will crush the arrogance of the proud and humble the pride of the mighty. Wow. First Thessalonians 4. We tell you this directly from the Lord. You remember what Peter said? Listen to what the holy prophets have said. There's Isaiah. And now listen to what the apostle Paul says regarding what Jesus said. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him. Ahead of those who have died, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died and will rise from their graves, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the ever then in the Lord, meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Now concerning how and when all of this will happen. Dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. 
When, the peop- when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. Now, I want to tell you, those are very, very poignant passages of scripture. And Peter says, I will just put it in the form of a question. Are you mindful? Are we mindful of the things that are happening around us? Or are we living in a, in a place where we've got our heads in the sand, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where we're ignoring the, claim, the changes that are happening around us? We are to be mindful because when we're mindful, we're going to be careful. We're going to be attentive and listening and alert and watchful. The second ought to be is we need to be assured. To be assured means that you are certain and secure that something is going to occur. This ought to be as critical in understanding and dealing with the climate change. Three thoughts. The first is this. Scoffers are real. Scoffers are real. There are going to be those that are say, this is ridiculous. The way that you guys are approaching things, it's just nutty. Come on, come on. And I think even at some time, at some point, those who call themselves believers are saying the same thing. No, no, everything's okay. Everything's fine. All is well. The word scoff is an old word. It actually has its origins back in the 14th century. So it's been around a long time. And the definition of, uh, of scoff at that particular time would be scorn. Other ways to look at it would be ridicule, mock, be laughed at. And people of faith down through the ages are not unfamiliar with being mocked at what they believe or for what they believe. Listen to what Jeremiah said. Now listen to the way that this passage is framed. Jeremiah 17. Oh Lord, if you heal me, I will truly be healed. If you save me, I will truly be saved. My praises are for you alone. Isn't that good? Now look at verse number 15. People scoff at me and say, what is this message from the Lord you talk about? Why don't your predictions come true? See, it's nothing new. Scoffing is nothing new. But what about present day? What does that look like? Well, we all know what 2020 was like. It was a mess. And I hope it's a a year that's never repeated. But to illustrate this, I read an article from National Review. And this is, it was regarding, it was, it's from, you can look it up. April 17th, 2020, National Review. Okay. It was regarding the COVID-19 numbers in the state of New York, okay? Now, I want you to just hear this. Governor Andrew Cuomo was quoted as saying, no, this is the the author, and here's how it, let me just frame it. He was insistent, hear this, that God didn't make things better. Man's hard work did. He said, and I quote, the number is down because we brought the number down and emphasized God did not do that. Faith did not do that. Do not tell me that scoffers are not in the world today. Not only did that one particular scoffer not only say what he said, but he said it on national television. It's there. Scoffers are real. Scoffers are real. It should come no surprise that when we talk about the end of days, the scoffers are going to rise up. Also, another, another thought to be assured is that God's patience is our opportunity. God's patience is our opportunity. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 and 15. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Bear in mind 
that our Lord's patience means salvation. What powerful and encouraging words. You see, yes, the end of days is approaching. Yes, we are living in the last days, but every moment that God delays, it is our opportunity to do good within this world and share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who have yet to hear. Every day is an opportunity for us. I, I think it's possible that mocking that mocking has occurred due to the Christ followers, you and me, being perceived in this way, that we are so heavenly minded, we are of no earthly good. You ever hear that? And I think, honestly, we've given people that because it looks like this is this great escape. No, we need to turn that phrase and we, that phrase needs to become, we need to do earthly good because we are so heavenly minded. Our focus and our attention is so much upon what God has said and what God has promised that it prompts us, that it, it compels us to share the good news of Jesus more than we ever have previously. Also, we need to be assured that dramatic change is coming. 2 Peter 3.10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. It's dramatic. When this happens, it's dramatic. It is sudden and it is noisy. And in my view, the key here is that this is the day of the Lord. God has ordained this day. It is God's doing and not man's. Think about this for a moment. The destructive might of our world with nuclear weapons, for example. We can destroy our world who knows how many times over. And there is an incredible conversation about physical climate change in our world. Hey, you've heard, heard numbers like this. If we don't do something right now, 12 years from now, it's over. It's done. We have no hope. Well, I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. Man-made climate change or nuclear holocaust will not bring about the end of the world. It is the day of the Lord. As creator and judge, it is his to determine when and how and his alone. The arrogance of mankind says, no, we've done this. We're the one. No, God will bring this to a conclusion at his time and in his way. It doesn't mean that we should just neglect what God has given us as far as this world is concerned. We are to be good stewards of the planet that he has given us. But at the same time, this is his world. It is his world. And man's arrogance to rise up and say, no, no, no. It doesn't mean that we dismiss our responsibility, but reassured that there will become a dramatic change. The third ought to be this morning is to be righteous, is to be righteous. Second Peter chapter three, verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? This has been the theme of our series. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Both of those words, holy and godly, in the original language of the New Testament, are plural. And what that means is, it's an all, they're all encompassing phrases or all-encompassing words. It's not just a list of certain things. Now, lists are all through Scripture, and they're, they're not bad, but that's not what Peter does. If you look at what he is saying, he's really talking about the whole of Christian life. What is to characterize your life and mine as followers of Jesus Christ? We are to be holy and godly in everything. 
There's nothing left out of that when you had those two words together. First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter said this, For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. We read also in Titus chapter 2, God's marvelous grace is manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. The same grace teaches us how to live. Listen to this. Teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles. And it equips us, I love that, and equips us to live self-controlled, upright, upright, godly lives in this present age. You see, the Bible's standard of human righteousness is God's perfection in every, in every attribute, in every attitude, in every behavior, in every word. Peter doesn't give us this constricting small list of things of do's and don'ts, but rather he wants, he wants us to expand those ideas beyond our narrow concepts of, religi- of a religious things to do list. I grew up with a religious things to do list. There were things that I could do and there were things that I couldn't do. And I will tell you, the couldn't do's certainly outweighed the do's. They just did. It was massive. And so I had this understanding that there's no way that I can ever please God. No, that's so far from the truth. Because, hear me, the bad news is that righteousness is not possible for us to gain on our own. The standard is simply too high. But the good news is that true righteousness is possible for mankind, but only through the cleansing of sin by Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have no ability to achieve righteousness in and of ourselves but we possess the righteousness of Christ because listen for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ and I want to tell you that's good news that is good news so when Peter says you are to live holy and godly lives it's all encompassing And you see, when we commit our lives to Christ and the Spirit of God indwells us, we're not going to live, we're not going to live the way that we were. We are going to live in the newness of life where Christ has given us life and life eternal. Hallelujah. It is so true and so good. Another ought to be is to be expectant. It's to be expectant. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, there are three different occasions where Peter says, you look forward, you look forward, you look forward. I love that thought of expectancy. I love to being expectant. It's being anticipating something great is on the horizon. And I really can't think of anything better for a Christ follower in what should characterize your life and mine. You and I should live with expectancy every day of our life. We should not live in a place of fear. We should not live in a place of uncertainty. We should not live in a place where we are just so bottled up, torn down, beaten up by everything that has happened. And we only can look to the past. That's the only way that our future can be be framed. No, we need to look ahead with optimism, with anticipation, because there are good things on the horizon for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Around the same time that Peter wrote this second letter, there was a contemporary of his. His name was Seneca the Younger. Seneca was an advisor to Emperor Nero. He was a philosopher, a writer, a satirist. Here is what Seneca wrote. You ready? 
the greatest hindrance to living in expectancy, to, the greatest hindrance to living is expectancy, which depends upon tomorrow and wastes today. Think about the difference between what Peter is saying and what Seneca is saying. The greatest what? The greatest hindrance to living is expectancy. He is saying the worst thing that you can do is expect something. And I would say expect something good. It literally wastes today. I tell you that is an awful way to live. I can't, and I, will, I honestly think that many within our society today, that's exactly how they are living. They are living in fear. They are living paralyzed lives. They are living with no expectancy for tomorrow. And child of God, follower of Jesus Christ, those who are a part of Crossroads Church, I implore you as your pastor, do not live that way. That is not godly and holy living. Godly living says I will live in expectancy. I am looking forward to the day of God. I am looking forward to it and I'm going to speed its coming. I'm going to do everything I can for what God has in store for me and for those around me. Live with expectancy. Don't let what culture says define you and frame your life. Don't be like Seneca. Don't be like Seneca. You know, it's interesting too. He was born about the same time Jesus was born. About four or five BC. He died about the same time Peter died. And I will tell you what a contrast between two lives. In fact, he was forced to take his own life by the emperor he served. And Nero is the one who had Paul and Peter martyred for their faith. And I will tell you, when I think of all of that, I'm going to do exactly what Peter said to do, live in anticipation for what is ahead. It's how Paul lived. He said, for me to die, for me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. That's expectancy. Let's live it. Let's live it. Matthew 24, verse 14. When the good news about the kingdom has been preached all over the world to all nations, then the end will come. You notice that? It puts us to work, doesn't it? Colossians 4. When you are with unbelievers, always make good use of the time. Be pleasant. Hold their interest when you speak the message. Choose your words carefully and be ready to give answers to everyone who asks questions. You see, that's how we live in expectancy, right? We, we are, we're promoting the good news of Christ. Don't ever forget, yes, this world and all that is in it is coming to an end. It's coming to a noisy close, okay? It's gonna happen. But remember, remember, Christ and his church are prevailing. We are prevailing. It is something that we can look forward to. No, not to escape, but no, we are to be active every moment of every day, promoting, preaching, speaking, living the good news of Jesus Christ so that all will come to repentance and never suffer the fate that is upon us as a world and as a people. It's promised by God. Second Peter 2, in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward. You ready? We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Praise God. Praise God. Also, we need to be diligent. This is the final 
ought to be, to be diligent. Diligence is constant, earnest effort to accomplish what's undertaken. It's a persistent exertion of body and mind to be diligent. It's framed in four ways in this passage. The first is we are to be diligent in character. Diligent in character. Be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Man, that's, that's a tall order. But our character is to be exemplary. To be exemplary. You say, Gary, I can't do it. You're right, you can't. Neither can I. What? You're telling what? Remember, it's not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ in us and the Holy Spirit indwelling in us that will allow us not to gratify the desires of the sinful nature, but to live with the fruit of the Spirit and live in a way that honors God. Our character can be exemplary because Christ lives within us. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Watch out for him. He stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Be strong in your faith. The second, we are to be diligent in our confidence regarding God's word. Peter says something really interesting. He says, Paul has written some challenging things, which people do what? They distort. Did you know that people are still distorting the word of God in 2021? Still happens. That's, that's not uncommon. We are to be diligent in our confidence regarding God's word. God's word is life to me and to you. We are to be people of the word of God. Josh McDowell is a great apologist who just defends the gospel so well. Josh said this, God's instructions in his word for thinking and acting rightly are for our benefit. That is so good. He knows that when we live according to his ways, it brings us joy, fulfillment, and meaning to life. Why wouldn't we put our trust and our confidence in the word of God? We, need, we must, we must be diligent. Third, we need to be diligent and always alert. Always alert. Not only does Satan tempt us toward compromise, his allies, whom Peter warned against, all you gotta do is go back to 2 Peter chapter two and read it and you'll see all about the allies of the adversary of our souls. False prophets. Peter warned us about them. They can appear as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. Let me go back to the point I just made. To be diligent in the word of God will uncover compromise and will uncover false prophets. You need to be students of the word of God. Oh, that was an opportunity for an amen. Y'all missed it. We need to be students of the word of God. We need to commit this to memory. We need to understand every every portion as best we can. Why? Because it uncovers falsehood. You will know something is counterfeit when you know that which is genuine. When you don't know the genuine, you will be taken in by every wind of doctrine. And within these last days, it is important for us to understand that false prophets will appear claiming that they are Christ and they have got a special news, special revelation, special word. If it doesn't measure to this, it is no special word. It is taking us away from the word himself, Jesus, the living word. Be careful, be alert, be aware. And finally... Be diligent and grow your faith. This is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. is probably my favorite verse in all of the New Testament. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever. Amen. That is my favorite verse. 
Why is it my favorite? Because I'm telling you, it is a challenge to me. I am to grow in the grace of God, to extend grace greater than I've ever extended it before. I need to experience the grace of God every day more than I've ever experienced it. And I need to grow in the knowledge of God, not just head knowledge, but heart knowledge. What does it mean to know Jesus? It means to know him in the power of his resurrection and the sharing and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering somehow to become like him in his death. In other words, I want to know Christ, not just about him. I want to know him. I want him to captivate my life. And when that happens, I'm growing. I'm growing. I'm not going to be caught unawares. I'm not going to be put in a position where I just can't figure out what's going on. I'll always know there's a nip in the air and I'll be ready. I'll be ready when Jesus says it's time, when it's time. And I trust we all will be also. And you know, when I think about this, it rises, it causes a question. What are we doing to grow our faith? Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for joining us online this morning. I can't encourage enough to be involved in life groups, to continue to be involved in studying God's word and being together with us in prayer on Saturday and other opportunities as they continue to unfold, as we just engage again with the rhythm of ministry as a church. We've got to be involved. We need to be in places of service. There's all kinds of opportunity to serve at Crossroads Church, whether it's a greeter, whether it's an usher, whether it's in the tech team, whether it's in safety, whether it's in the cafe, whether it's with children, where there's so many different opportunities. Serve. It's another way that we grow our faith. We've got to be engaged as we grow our faith. So be diligent. Be diligent. In week number one, shared this question. Do you want to be less surprised and more prepared when the next big calamity occurs? I hope the answer is yes. Now, I'm not here to say that the next big calamity is going to be the coming of the Lord. It might be. That may be 100 years from now. That may be 1,000 years from now. I don't know. You know why I say it that way? Because what did Peter say? With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. In other words, time is meaningless to him. God sees all time at the same. It's not about finding a time or a date. That's not the point. The point is, what kind of people ought we to be? Do you get that? What kind of people ought we to be? You see, only by, and I've unpacked some really hard things over the last few weeks. I admit it. Really hard. But here's something so profound and true. Only by fully understanding the bad news can we fully appreciate the good news. One more time. Only, only by fully understanding the bad news can we fully appreciate the good news. When we see the difficulties of which our world is experiencing, what does it do? I'm so glad I belong to Jesus. I've got hope, both now and forever. It exposes the good news in my life, and I'm grateful for that. And one of the things that I've done is I've given you snippets and bits and pieces of Jonas Dickerson's book, Hope of Nations. And to close our series, I want to give you one more snippet. And it's all in light of this. If you recall, two weeks ago, or last week, it was last week, I'm sorry, I talked about we live in a post-world, post-church, post-Christian, post-decency, post-morality post-knowledge. All of these, we're just beyond all of these things. And so in response to that, John wrote something so incredibly profound. 
And I want you to look at it with me. I'm going to go through them quickly. If you'd like to take a picture of the screen, I encourage you to do that, which you'll have all nine of them. Here we go. Nine manifestos that we can embrace. Ready? In a world where truth is feelings-based, we will remain rooted in the Christian scriptures and their life-giving direction. Amen? One more time. I, you you got you to get into this. You got to get into this because this should be the encouragement. In a world where truth is feelings-based, we will remain rooted to the Christian scriptures and their life-giving direction. Number two, in a society of educated ignorance and blindness, we will train our young in the freedom, knowledge, and power of the Christian truth. Number three, in a world where Christians are labeled as bigots or backward, we will be known for doing good, serving the least of these, and loving our neighbors. Number four, in a world where people are treated as commodities and as opponents, we will dignify all people as the image bearers of God. In, in a post-Christian world, we will be ambassadors to foreign tribes, behaving diplomatically toward neighbors who have been told the worst about Christianity. Number six, in a world where opponents are vilified and crucified, we will love our persecutors. Number seven, in a world competing for limited resources, driven by fear, unrest, and scarcity, we will remain calm, confident that our Father provides our daily bread. Hallelujah. Number eight, in a world where we are discriminated against, prejudged, and even persecuted, we will be invincible as we serve God's purposes for which he has placed us here now. And number nine, in a world divided by violence and terrorism and war, we will be fearless. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. When you fully understand the bad news, you can appreciate the good news. Christ and his church are prevailing. No matter what happens, we as the people of God, we win. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. And thank you for your encouragement this morning. And yes, Lord, things are challenging. Things are difficult. But God, you are, you are, you have something extraordinary in store for us. And Lord, I want to stop and just say thank you for every day that you delay your return. Because it means salvation for one more. For one more. And I pray right now that maybe there's one more that's listening right now. That, does, that do not have the hope of life, both now and for eternity. And I pray that right now, they would make a declaration of faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name.